Hola y bienvenidos a la Deuces Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes y presidente de Mejor Cerveza, No Abate por No Filter Network, Will Clark y Miguelito Sandiaguito Perro. We, of course, will properly salute our boys. Yes, 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 yes. Woo! Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are useless. We have breaking news. The San Francisco Giants have made a managerial hire. Ladies and gentlemen, we present to you here at the Deuces World Daily Hustle, the new manager of the Giants, Bob fucking Melvin! Woo! What a hire, man. Wow. Incredible. I cannot be any more thrilled for a hire other than if it was Will Clark. That was it. That would have been the only other hire that would have gotten me as excited as this one. They landed themselves a fucking gem. By far, in a way, the best manager I ever played for in the big leagues. And it's not even close. It's not. Bob Guerin was the other manager that I played for that I would put at the top of that list. But I played for Bob in Modesto. I played for him in Sacramento. I played for him in Dominican. Bob Melvin is that good. He's a player's manager. He's somebody who will communicate very well with the front office, yet at the same time is going to be writing his own lineups. He is a Bay Area native. He's a baseball lifer. And just an overall awesome human being. Welcome aboard, Bob. Gosh, damn, San Francisco Giants fans are lucky to have him. So, on that note, let's hit our title sponsor. That's right, we have a brand new title sponsor of Deuces Wild, as well as the Daily Hustle, and that is Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues kick off this week, and Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action. It's fantastic with MLB postseason, NFL, and college football, and the NHL in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips. Both desktop and mobile access from every sport, anytime we are there for you. Head to Bet Online today to get in on your action. I just downloaded the app, by the way. Don't forget to use promo code Believe. Capital B L E A V. Bet Online. This is where the game starts. Okay, back to Bob Melvin. I got a text from Mike Crudelli, buddy of mine, Kid Brody's played for our LTP program for years. And he said, are you happy with the Giants hire of Melvin? And I'm kind of like, well, yeah, I heard they were going to talk to him, but if they hired him, of course. Well, I then went to the internet because the internet never lies, of course. And I found this article from Andrew Baggerly. Giants to announce Bob Melvin as manager. Sources. When it comes to stability and continuity in the manager's office, few franchises can match the San Francisco Giants over the past four decades. Now the Giants are turning to a three-time manager of the year to get them back on track. After a swift Interview process, they're poised to announce the hiring of Bob Melvin. Sources briefed on the matter told The Athletic on condition of anonymity. The Giants moved quickly 
Once the Padres granted permission to speak to Melvin, who had one year remaining on his contract to manage in San Diego, but was known to clash with Padres GM AJ Preller. I've said this. I knew it. I heard the rumors. Same shit. It was not a great working relationship from what I heard. Do I know this for sure? No. Don't. A lot of the stuff I got was secondhand, but I knew that Bob wasn't happy. I knew he wanted out. I had a feeling that this would be a perfect fit. When we talked about the managerial candidates earlier on Deuces Wild, Bob was towards the very top of that list. He's the most qualified one. He's, in a lot of ways, the antithesis of what they had there. Now, the question is going to be, (laughs) is what happens to the giant 17-man coaching staff? Because there's no way, in my opinion, that Bob Melvin is going to agree to come over to manage the San Francisco Giants if he does not have full reign or at least a ton of reign in being able to assemble that staff together. Matt Williams, fuck yeah, man. Let's get him back in a San Francisco Giants uniform. Mike Aldretti, fuck yeah, man. Let's get him back in a San Francisco Giants uniform. Let's start plucking pieces and getting the old game back together. That is what I want to see happen. Now, what does that mean for these 16 other coaches besides Gabe Kapler that were let go? I don't want to say they were let go. They're still there, right? They all still have positions. Look, if Bob retains you, Bob retains you. If not, that's, you know, Debbie and uh, human resources will show you the way out. Uh, please turn in your key card and the, the code to your locker and everything. I like, see ya. Look, it's a rough world out there. It's, it, it happens. Change happens. I hope that it's not against anybody who was there. I just hope Bob has the freedom to bring in who he wants to bring in, to do what he wants to do. Now, whoever that be, I don't know. Can you imagine Thrill on his staff? Come on. Let's get Thrill on the staff. Yes. I'm hitting Bob up. I haven't talked to him in a while. I am going to tell him hire Will Clark. That is good. I Look, whether he's already working for the Giants. He's a special assistant. Gotcha. I want him. I would love to have Thrill be there for 162. That's it. I mean, he's mentioned that, hey, maybe uh, maybe the time is now when it comes to this full-time coaching gig. Trey's 27. Uh, he's got his daughter, Ella, just graduating from LSU. Yeah, that would be a good time to get on back out to the Bay Area and make an impact. And then I think Thrill, too, could probably decide from there if the coaching full-time coaching thing is something that he would actually want to do. It says here, Melvin met on Monday with several top giants officials on the baseball operations and ownership level, including executive board member, Buster Posey. Evidently nothing emerged from those conversations to dissuade San Francisco officials that Melvin, a Bay area native who turned 62 on Saturday was the right choice for the current moment. Melvin will be entering his 21st season as a major league manager, a successful second career that began when the Seattle Mariners hired him to replace Lou Pinella prior to the 2003 season. He won a National League Manager of the Year award during his five seasons with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That was 07, baby. I was a part of that team. And added two American League Manager of the Year distinctions while leading the Oakland A's to the postseason in six of his 11 seasons there. That's impressive. From 2011-21, with the A's 
In teardown mode, Oakland officials allowed Melvin to escape the final year in his contract and accept the job in San Diego, where the free-spending Padres were ramping up to make a World Series run. The Padres limped into the postseason with an 89-73 record in 2022 and overcame the suspension of Fernando Tatis Jr. to upend the Los Angeles Dodgers and reach the NLCS. But more turmoil at all levels of the organization caught up to the Padres this past season. They had to win 14 of their final 16 games to finish with a winning record of 82 and 80. Yeah, but give the man some credit. Not they had to win 14 of their final 16 games. They won 14 of their final 16 games to finish with an 82 and 80 record. That is crazy impressive. And they missed the postseason besides the $250 million payroll. Look, I mean, a lot of that payroll is Fernando Tatis Jr. He missed a good portion of the season in the beginning. Uh, a plus, you, you had underperformances up and down the board by their superstars. They had a plus 104 run differential. That was superior to every NL team except the Dodgers and the Braves. Okay. The run differential thing can be tricky because it's very much an indication when you have a very high run differential, yet your record is two games over 500. It basically says that your bullpen is dog shit. It does also say that, look, some late game decisions may have been made and you guys ended up on the losing end. They had to have been terrible in one-run games. They had to have. It's just it's what it was. And then they also blew teams out. So it was very much feast or famine. Look, I'm not judging Bob Melvin on this, in this very short period of time uh, of one season. Bob Melvin, through my personal experience in playing for him, is just a dude. He commands respect, yet you also feel like you have a relationship with him. I think a lot of times the best manager player relationship would almost be similar to a father-son relationship. And the reason being is that ideally there's going to be an eternal love there and there's going to be a friendship there. But there also needs to be some separation as in, yo, dude, I'm your boss. You got to listen to me. And when I make demands i need you to adhere to them and i'm also here to hold you accountable to your actions to make sure that you're that guy and i'm going to do everything in my power as a manager to put you in position to succeed i'm going to do everything in my as my uh, i'm going to do everything in my power as a father to put my son in a position to succeed. But at the same time, it's up to the player and it's up to the kid to go ahead and his actions are what are going to ultimately speak. Well, Bob Melvin just had that. And he still does. I, I can I have it. I mean, I text him as soon as I get off the DH right here and I can't say I'm going to have a response back within five minutes, but there's a good chance that within the next couple hours, and I'm sure he's getting bombarded right now, I'll hear back from him. He's always been that way. When he was with the A's and I was at MLB Network, I float a question to him 10 minutes later, back. Sometimes 10 seconds later. So just a great hire. I, I can't. I cannot reiterate that enough. This is an A-plus hire. Will Clark, Buster Posey would probably have been the only two other guys that I would be this excited about. So, awesome job by the San Francisco Giants. Apparently, the Giants' top decision makers didn't view this as disappointment. Oh, they're talking about the plus 104 run differential in San Diego as a reflection on Melvin Giants 
have their own instability to paper over while president of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, enters a final guaranteed year on his contract. And this is why this is so good. I, I said this. I'm not being an asshole. But the Giants ownership group could not just let Farhan make this hire, especially if you're going to extend somebody out to a two, three-year deal that I imagine they will with Melvin. Melvin was entering the last year on his contract. But the reason being is that if they're not happy with Farhan after this year and they decide to move on, you can't be stuck and chained to somebody that he brought in that you guys weren't all on board with. Now, the first hire that Farhan made, this made a little bit more sense for him to go out and get his dude because this is your regime and we're investing in you, and then you get to pick the manager. Well, we saw how that went. There were some ups and there were some downs. Cool. But now you got to do what's best for the organization. And you have to think, if I could get somebody like a Melvin that has a connection to the past and the uh, legacy of the San Francisco Giants, he just checks every single box you could possibly imagine. Every single box. He is a Bay Area native. He went to Cal. He played in the big leagues. For the San Francisco Giants, he has a shit ton of experience managing in both the American League and the National League. Not that it really makes much of a difference these days. He has dealt with analytically driven Billy Bean. He has dealt with A.J. Preller in San Diego, who does things a little differently. He is... Just about the absolute perfect hire you can have. Okay, it says the Giants have a clubhouse culture to reconstruct after firing Gabe Kapler in the season's final weekend, citing the need for new leadership and more connection within a clubhouse that has gone stale. Now, look, I want everybody to realize that if you expect Bob Melvin to walk into that Giants clubhouse and be Mr. Fake Rah-Rah guy, that's not going to fucking happen. It's not who he is. But he is somebody that you know is going to come in there and immediately command ultimate respect from his players He's going to expect them to have that same sort of respect for one another, for the entire organization. And the thing that I really love here, and it's a big deal to me as a Giants fan, he's reconnecting the fan base with the past. The history of the Giants organization means something. It is significant to this fan base. And when you try to separate yourself from that and say, well, we're going to do shit our way, you alienate a good percentage of the fans. So to have somebody who knows what it means, who grew up rooting for the Giants, that fucking matters. It does. Bob Melvin is just, I mean, it's it. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you guys. Well, obviously I can because I keep just, I'm telling you a broken record right now. Mm. Just uh, awesome hired. But understand who he is. And if you have an idea of what do you think he's going to be, look at Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy, his presence, his ability to listen, his ability to make really tough decisions in high-pressure situations, that's what's made him such a great manager. Well, Melvin's sort of the same way. He's a guy 
that is very even keeled. He's not going to get overly upset. He's not necessarily going to get overly excited either. But he's going to keep this throughout. And then when something's not going right, he basically is going to figure out a way to rectify the situation. So I'm going to give you an example. If the Giants' defense sucks ass the way it had in 2023, you bet your ass that he's going to have those boys out there working their tails off each and every single day until they get better. That's the solution. It's okay, how do we get better? Or either that or get, get out. And he's going to get somebody else in. It's very matter of fact. It's not, there's no semantics here. He understands the numbers. He appreciates the numbers. He always has. I mean, even back when I was playing, we'd have our hitters meetings. We'd go over the numbers. We'd look at it. I'd be in there with Michael Aldretti and Bob Melvin and the rest of the offense. Be like, all right, we're facing Zach Rinky Day. Past three starts, he's been throwing 50% curveball. You know, 10%, you know, on his changeup, 50% or 40% fastball, whatever it is, right? And we go through it. He's like, all right, what's the plan of attack? I'd be like, dude, I mean, all right, let's sit heater early in the count. But if he hangs that banger, like, don't be afraid to take a whack at it. He throws that first pitch, get me over, curveball, let's go get it. The other thing that I distinctly remember, and I've never had another manager say this, and I really love the approach of, he understands that the baseball season is an ultra marathon. 162 games that just keep coming. So with that, the way he manages is basically to get the most out of his players and team over the course of the long haul. He is not so focused on this sprint. He is focused on, hey, how do we get ourselves into the playoffs? And then once we get there, how do we have our guys still fresh enough to be able to go? So that element of things, when I would walk in, when we would walk in and we would have our meeting, say we're playing the Phillies, and it's like, all right, we got a three-game set with the Phillies. We face such and such, such and such, such and such. And let's just say it was back in the day. It was Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday, and Adam Eaton. We face Eaton on Friday. We got Cliff Lee and Roy Halliday Saturday, Sunday. Boys, what does that mean? What do we want to do? And his thing was, you want to win two out of three in every series. He's like, look, I'm not naive to think that we can win every fucking baseball game. We're going to lose baseball games. But if we go into every single series with the mentality, I don't care who we're facing, I don't care what team, I don't care what pitcher, that we can take two of three from these guys, that's the approach I want us to have. He's like, I also want us to be realistic and understand that when we face an Adam Eaton, Compared to a Cliff Lee and a Roy Holiday, this is a guy we want to get. This is our big chance. So then we go out there with this mindset of like, yeah, I'm not taking Adam Eaton lightly. We know we got to jump on this guy because we know what we're up against. And then let's figure out a way to beat one of the two next two guys. But let's make sure we get ours right now. Oh, it, 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 was, it was a pleasure. It was a joy, absolute joy playing for him. He was, and this is right when texting was getting going, really. But he basically would call or text and, and when I was going to play or not play. So this is a guy I owe a ton of my success and my career to him because of the open communication 
that he had with me. I was brought in to be the center fielder in 06 just for one year, stopgap center fielder before Chris Young was to come in and take over. And Jeff Devannon got super hot in spring training. So they plan on keeping Devannon as a fifth outfielder. Well, Devannon ended up winning the job, hit 500 in spring training and just raked. So Bob told me, he's like, look, man, I plan on you still being our center fielder, but bear with me for a minute. I got to ride this guy when he's hot. And as soon as he cools off, you'll be in there every day. I'm like, all right, all good. No worries. So through the first month of the season, Devannon was hot as could be. And then as he cooled down, I started to heat up. And true to his word, as soon as I caught fire, it was on. So I went from, towards the end of the first month of the season, I had one homer, and I didn't even know if I had a stolen base. And then five months later, in five months, I it was 26 home runs, 25 stolen bases. He got me at least a game of series, and that was the commitment. He's like, dude, Burns, I don't care where you're playing. It might be left, it might be right, it might be center. I'll keep trying to get you on. And then as soon as you get hot, it's on. So anyhow, it says Melvin isn't expected to last 13 seasons like Bruce Bochy did. All right, let me let me re- go back for a second. It said the Giants are seeking more continuity in the lineup, rotation, and dugout, where they enjoyed a crisp lineage over nearly four decades from Roger Craig to Dusty Baker to Felipe Alou to Bruce Bochy. Another manager whom the Padres allowed the Giants to hire away prior to 2007, despite a year remaining on his contract in San Diego. Wow. If the Padres hadn't learned, it says Melvin isn't expected to last 13 seasons like Bochy did. It isn't clear whether he'll arrive with anything more than a one-year deal or how long he intends to keep managing. Perhaps he'll view a stint in San Francisco, however, long it lasts as a fitting place to round out a four decade career in uniform. Melvin grew up on the peninsula and graduated from Menlo Atherton high school before playing for Kenyatta college in Redwood city and Cal Berkeley. Jeez. You just can't, you can't ask for this. This is the best. It really is. As somebody that knows not only area, it's just, he knows it as a fan. He knows this is a player. He knows this someone went through the system. M.A., Kenyatta, Cal. Dude's a Bay Area life, man. This is great. He was 24 in 1985 when the Detroit Tigers traded him to the San Francisco Giants as part of a six-player deal and spent the next three seasons under Roger Craig as a Giants part-time catcher. Quote, I think Roger Craig was the first guy I played for who really communicated. Bingo! Melvin told the San Francisco Chronicles John Shea in 2019. He wouldn't let you know you were going. He would let you know when you were going to play. He would say, look, you're going to play two days from now against this pitcher. And here's the reason why. That resonated with me. And I feel I do that with my players the best I can. That's it. When you have that communication with your players, it's just huge. I think what it does more than anything is it builds this trust. It literally like bonds a relationship and a friendship. It's not any different manager player relationship than it is in any as any other relationship in your life, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, your girlfriend, whatever colleagues at work. It's all about communication. And when you have this sense of open communication between everybody, it just makes the entire situation that much better. So a huge, 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 awesome hire for the San Francisco Giants. All right, we got Henry and the not We're going to get to him in a second. But today's... Daily Hustle. Let's rip through this thing right here. Buenos dias. I've never had a breaking news Daily Hustle. This was the first one. So 
We obviously hammered that off the top. Uh, this is the electronic email communication that did not go out to anybody today. I'm fucking pissed. I, I, it's, oh, that somehow, some way, I've gotten flagged. And they would not let me send out the email this morning. MailChimp would. So Tara's on it. We're trying to get it taken care of ASAP. But for now, let's go through this. Daily Hustle quote of the day. Enjoy yourself. You're going to miss you when you're gone, Mr. Stick. Daily Hustle translation. Our time with ourselves is limited as we are forever changing. In a sense, we are dying every day. We must be over accountable with ourselves, yet compassionate, empathetic, understanding, and forgiving with others. We must also have grace with our shortcomings and simply try to be a bit less terrible today than we were yesterday. This truly is the only way we will enjoy ourselves and our life the way we should. Don't worry. The rest of the outside world will continue to condemn and judge. So there is absolutely no reason for us to do the same. Just got done coaching the LTP 12 year squad to a championship game of the 30 team. Super Regional NIT in Las Vegas. The boys went 5-0 and to get to the ship with a signature walk-off victory in the semifinal over a top national team from Texas. Facing the perfect game pitcher of the year who was firing 77-mile-per-hour BBs with a wipeout slider. The boys rallied from down 4-0 to complete the epic comeback 5-4. We end up losing in the championship game to a quality team. We have gone back and fourth with for the past three years but once again extremely grateful for these incredible weekends of chasing experiences and making memories last night the texas rangers punched their ticket to the world series with a dominant game seven win in houston after three world series titles in san francisco manager bruce bochi came out of retirement to lead the rangers who lost 94 games last season to their first fall classic appearance since 2011 he truly is cementing himself as arguably the greatest manager of all time. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, the D-backs upset the Phillies again and have now forced a Game 7 for the NLCS tonight. Last week, we shared a quote that described the Phillies as a savage beer league softball team with overgrown facial hair that was going to mercy rule you while taking keg stands in the dugout and then challenge you to a fist fight in the parking lot after the game. Well, the D-backs and their little bitty undersized and underage players accepted the challenge and somehow have been beating the dog snot out of the dirty, drunk, bully, shit-talking bastards. This has been a great reminder to always fear the man and team that has nothing to lose even if they are well-groomed, properly behaved, and a bit on the tiny side. Game 7 tonight, 5 p.m. Pacific time. And Will Clark and I will be going live on nofilter.net on our Deuces Wild show, presented by betonline.ag. Click link to reserve spot and free stream. None of that shit matters because, well... I wasn't able to send out the email, but I will try to get this out at some point this afternoon. In the NFL, by the way, it was the San Francisco 49ers taking a shit on themselves last night in Minnesota, their second loss in a row. The question now becomes, is Brock Purdy, has Brock Purdy been exposed? Henry Markin Direct oh. social media, doctor, PPR, uh, NFL expert here at No Filter Network. Is Big Cock Brock done? He's not done, but I don't think he can let his male package the uh, the weapon, the third leg, the massive cock that we knew him to have last year. He can't swing it as hard as he can um, anymore. It's just the, the Niners are in their own way. And what they did last night 
to lose at Minnesota, who needed that game. The Niners wanted that game. Minnesota needed that game. Understandable that maybe the Niners weren't going to cover seven and a half points. But to outright lose that game, if you look back at how they did it, it's just atrocious. A missed kick, a fumble in the red zone after a huge turnover, and two picks from Brock. He's not done. Brock Purdy is still a very good quarterback, very confident, but the MVP Purdy campaign may be done. I don't think he'll win MVP anymore. Well, in order to be known as Big Cock Brock. Now, Brock Purdy's not done. That's Brock Purdy. No, Brock Purdy's going to be a decent NFL quarterback. Is he going to be the next Joe Montana? Uh, That's, look, we got way fucking overexcited. And of course, it's okay. He's human. He's not the AI quarterback that he was rumored to be. I just think that now we're in a position where when you look at the system that these guys play under, it is critical to know that that makes or breaks a fucking quarterback, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, if you think about what I said a couple weeks ago, if Brock Purdy were to play for Carolina, you know, he'd still be good and, and competitive, but he wouldn't he wouldn't have the national attention and the the MVP campaign that he could have with Shanahan. It's very, it's very much like the, the early days of Brady Belichick where while they're still growing and still learning, you kind of need to rely on each other to help each other. Once, you know, you take the training wheels off, give year three, four, five years of experience to him. He's probably going to be able to say, leave any, any preset system. But right now, you just got to get back in the wind column. I'm not worried. He's not done. He's 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 going to be just fine. And we're still a Super Bowl contending team, no doubt. But you're not sitting on top of the power rankings at one with 50 feet of ship beneath you anymore. It's it's back to this is it's anybody's fight. So that's the unfortunate part about waking up this Tuesday morning. No longer sitting in the castle. No, the Chiefs actually are on top of the latest power rankings that just came out a few hours ago. Hmm. They're at number one. This is according to CBSSports.com. Then it's the Eagles who took it to Giuseppe Pepe Manuele's Finns this past weekend. They're six and one. They're at number two. The Ravens sneak up to number three after blowing out the Lions. The fucking Jaguars are at four. Really? They're five and two. They're up three spots. And then the Niners are at five. It's interesting how power rankings fluctuate week to week. I love the Jaguars. I think this Jaguars team is actually legit. If if Lawrence can stay healthy, they could very much win the AFC. They got a legit defense, and Lawrence is a stud, and Peterson's won a Super Bowl. You know, coaching, whether it's baseball or football, experience is good, and experience will win playoff games. Um, I... Love Baltimore. Honestly, Jim, John Harbaugh, super seasoned coach. As soon as they get in groove and if Lamar can move the field and cut through defenses like he did against the Lions, Lions have a good defense. So that was, that blowout was no joke. I am hesitant to call the chiefs, the best team in the league right now. Um, I think you probably got to give that to Philly just because of how, I mean, the, the the Dolphins may be fraudulent, but the game itself, that game was the biggest game of the weekend. And the Chiefs are kind of just barely winning, barely beating these yucky teams. And and the Eagles lost against the Jets. Uh, that was, you know, that was somewhat of a trap. Uh, but they their defense is solid. A.J. Brown is unguardable. And now with DeAndre Swift, an actual amazing running back in Philly, you don't have to get these scrap guys, you know, the Miles Sanders, the Kenneth Gainwells. You have an actual RB1, a sick tight end in Goddard, a dope defense. They just got – they just fleeced Tennessee too. Got the best corner from Tennessee Bayard. So Howie Rosen's got Tennessee's GM literally at the – like – by by a chain right now, just on on a on a rope, can do whatever he wants to him. Um, I, I gotta think the Eagles are the number one team in the NFL via power rankings. I have a fantasy confession. Let's hear it. So we're in a baseball tournament this past weekend in Vegas, as you know. Yes. And Sunday morning came around. I knew I had a big day out there if we Kept winning. We were going to play four games, which we did. I was on my way to the ballpark 
And I was looking at my starting lineup. And I saw that Lamar Jackson was about to kick off. Oh, boy. At 10 a.m. I'm like, well, dude, I'm not going to be able to watch him play. There's zero chance I'm going to get to see him. But I have Christian McCaffrey. And I also have on my bench Brock Purdy. Oh. I'll be able to get home on Monday and sit down and watch the entire San Francisco 49er game start to finish and root like a motherfucker for the Niners and Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. And then I'm going to win my fantasy game. Uh, uh, uh. Lamar Jackson, 300 plus yards on the air, rushing touchdown, three touchdowns, almost perfect game. Probably gave you 45 points on your bench, didn't he? 43.65 points on my fucking bench. But wait, there's more. Brock Purdy. Yep. 17 points in my starting lineup. Okay, that's not bad. 27, 37, right? 17 to 27 to 37. So that's 20. Uh, then we have to add another five. 25 points is basically what I missed out on. Yeah. I lost by 20. Oh, dagger to the heart. Damn, dude. Yep. Slice and removed. Surgical. That's a surgical maneuver right there. Sorry about that. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, I hate to say it. Fantasy is kind of like betting. It's, it is betting effectively. You you can't be so passionate. You got to just play the numbers and look at matchups and just do it, set it and forget it. You have to rip the bandaid off and do the ugly things. You can't all be beautiful. You have to, you know, sometimes you got to play Lamar Jackson at home versus Detroit at 10 a.m. Sometimes you have to bet on Atlanta getting one and a half points against the Bucks because it just may win you five from the Bucks like it did for me in Vegas over the weekend. So sometimes you just have to do the ugly things to be able to receive and enjoy the beautiful things. But here's the thing, because it's not like this big money league that I'm in. Sure. It's with all my buddies, but there's a ton of bragging rights that go with this. And there's a belt that gets sent to the player, whatever. So really the monetary thing's not an issue, but the bragging rights are. It's invaluable. It, it is. It is. You cannot put a price tag on this. And I do like trying to watch one game a week. And so whether or not I have a handful or maybe a couple fantasy players that I'm going to really focus on with that matchup, or I have hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of action on that game. Awesome. I could sit down and enjoy it. Like by starting Brock, I felt that, it would be that much better enjoyment or that much more enjoyable by sitting there and being able to watch the game. The irony of all of it is that I did not turn on the fucking game until five minutes left and I got to watch the Niners puke all over themselves. Oh, yeah. Because I was watching the ALCS which ended in Bruce Bochy and the Texas Rangers first trip to the world series since 2011. So that's a total swing and miss of a, uh, as far as a fantasy management on a Monday night, you absolutely just had diarrhea run down your leg completely much like the 49ers did in the final drive. That's the truth, dude. All right, man. We got two minutes left. Perfect. That's all uh, I need. The NBA season is kicking off tonight. Yes, Tell sir. me why I should give a fuck. Here's why you should give a fuck because quite frankly, the off season came and went and not a lot happened. You know, some of the big things like Bradley Beal now plays for the Suns. Chris Paul plays for the Warriors. Jordan Poole plays for the Wizards. Perzingis, Celtics, Dame for Bucks, whatever. That's 
that's all fine. That's all cool. But at the end of the day, there's only three teams that you should worry about in the East. If you're going to put any money on any three teams or any three situations, it's the fact that Ben Simmons, that's right. The, the, the laughing stock of the NBA for the past three years, I bet you he wins MIP, not minor possession, but most improved player. Um, the Bucks, the Boston Celtics, and the Brooklyn Nets are the only three teams you should worry about in the East whatsoever. In fact, if you're going to throw any money, it should only be on those three teams. Everyone else is complete shit. All right? Let's okay. move over to the West. This is what you should give a shit about in the West. You spent a little bit of time in uh, in Sacramento as a river cat. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. That is also home to what I think is the most dangerous team in the NBA. The Sacramento Kings, when the season is done, they will be the number one seed in the West. They are the hungriest, the fastest, probably the strongest, the grittiest, the loudest fans in the league, and their time is now. They will have an incredible year. Uh, doing better than last year, getting the one seed, and I think will be incredibly dangerous and an impossible place to play during the playoffs. Another thing you should think about is this. You are a betting man. Hmm. I think my favorite play of the year is taking the over on the Thunder winning. Whatever their games are, take the over. Uh, Take SGA, Shy, Gillis, Alexander, the best player in the Thunder to win MVP and put all your money on the fact that the Dallas Mavericks will fucking explode. So take Dallas under Thunder over and understand that just because you have some good players doesn't mean you're going to be a good team. The Suns, that sunset will happen in Phoenix earlier than expected. I know Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are now a package deal. That won't matter. Um, Devin Booker went on the air, went on this, the sun's hype video and said, respectfully, I don't think teams are going to be able to guard us respectfully. I think teams will have them figured out by week three. So poo, poo, the Suns, and poo, poo, the Dallas Mavericks do not poo, poo on the thunder. They're good. They SGA will win MVP is what I think. And the warriors, you can never sleep on the dubs. I bet you the warriors are kind of casually a two or three seed. Chris Paul is going to absolutely just thrive in this lineup. He's going to do so well in the efficiency numbers in the assist category and getting everybody the ball. Um, and uh, Denver, they just won the championship. They're going to exist and it honestly disintegrate into nothingness. So what should you care about? The Kings, the Thunder, Warriors. You want the Bay Area to do well. Let's have a good year with the Bay Area with Bob Melvin, Niners, Warriors, Kings. That's all you should care about because that's what will happen. Yeah, but dude, you didn't even bring up the one reason why I actually do give a fuck about the NBA right now. Well, let's hear it. The savage rookie from the San Antonio Spurs. Wembenyama. Yes. Okay. Dude, I've never seen anybody like this guy. He will, he will be a problem, but I think there are a considerable amount of holes on the rest of that team. But the fact that he can block you in the paint and on the fucking perimeter, that that's a concern. That's a concern. Probably offensive rookie of the year. Uh, or rookie of the year, probably. I mean, I mean, dude, I think he could be the MVP. Am I off on this? Well, you just, you just never know with a guy like him because he's, somebody that tall long lanky like it's just physics i just don't know how they can you know sustain themselves like in in a healthy manner all year Uh, i just don't see him lasting the entire season he can't win mvp because of that you gotta you gotta play the whole year and be the most impactful player through and through it wouldn't surprise me if Wembenyama misses a few games here and there but uh offensive rookie of the year rookie of the year the best rookie yeah defensive whatever uh he could be deep he could be a dpoy he could be the defensive player of the year uh, with the games that he plays, but I don't think he'll win MVP. He, he the, the Spurs just got to make the playoffs, you know, with his help. That, it's huge. But to win MVP, you have well, to. I mean, dude, how good is he? Is he, is he the next best? Is he, I, there's no one to compare him to. That's the problem, right? He's not Kobe. He's not Michael. He's not Shaq. He's not. Dude, he's like so biscuit. So like, imagine I, biscuit creating a my player in NBA 2K, like just exactly. hitting 100 percent height, 100 percent speed, agility, quickness, accuracy, shooting. He's 
like the perfect prototype for basketball. There's never been a more perfect specimen playing on a basketball court. I don't think there's going to be a clear answer on how to guard him, but I also don't think he survives the whole season. He's too big, too tall. He's too flimsy. I don't he would it. never have survived in the 1980s, early 90s. No, when correct. You had Lambeer and mm-hmm. the bad boys in Detroit knocking you on your fucking ass. I, I mean, that was, it's a whole different game then. He could survive because of the way they protected players, which I think is a good thing. But then again, like, I, I kind of agree with you. I've just never seen anything like this guy. He's sort of like an animal that is in, you know, uh, in camp. Like you're, I just, I, I stare at him when he comes on TV. <laughs> like, what is that, man? Whoa. Am I right? He's so big, so long. He just well, it doesn't so long, but he fucking moves like with the grace of a Jordan, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's he's got his J is just it's soaking wet, bro. He's going to be a problem. He's going to be a problem. I just don't. They're not supposed to be any good this year, are they? No, but that's the thing. He's that good that to make them somewhat relevant. I don't think he could win MVP until he gets a couple more pieces to support him. You know, but this is. Yeah, this he's gonna give he's gonna give me an ulcer, you know. If he blocks Curry for a game winner on the three, I'm gonna be pissed. I'm gonna be sweating, losing some hair, losing some coin. Absolutely. All right, dude. Well, good day in sports. This is gonna be a yes, fantastic night. We have the National League Championship Series, Arizona Diamondbacks going toe-to-toe with the Phillies in Philly tonight. I imagine, I mean, they're gonna be big underdogs, but I wouldn't be surprised if this Group from AZ pulls it off, and San Francisco Giants fans rejoice. You got yourselves a fucking winner, a great human being, and somebody that I would, I would, I would literally put at the top of the list to be a great representation of the entire organization. Fantastic job by the Giants. As much shit as we give them, they nailed this one. Bernsey, good luck. Have a great day. I'll see you later. Hey, uh, Henry. Of all the shows, it was certainly one of my... I like you coming on the Daily Hustle, man. Come on. Come back whenever you want to. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. I'll well, hey, one more thing real quick, though, buddy. Oh, yeah. Shit! <laughs> no one leaves on their own terms here. Like, nobody. It's, it's totally unacceptable. All right, we're back on at 6 p.m. tonight on No Filter Network. Thrill and I will be doing our Deuces Wild podcast live during the... Philadelphia Phillies, Arizona Diamondbacks games. Hit the knock button. We'll let you in. And that's it. If you're listening on Apple, uh, Spotify, anywhere else, if you could please give us a uh, generous rating, five stars if you're uh, feeling nice today. And if you could write a review, we'd appreciate that as well. That's it. We'll see everybody tonight.